Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, the Lightning face a must-win game tonight in Game 5 in Denver at Colorado as the Avalanche now hold a three games to one lead. It's the Lightning's third must-win game of this postseason. Of course, they were trailing the Toronto Maple Leafs three games to two in the first round, had to win game six and game seven to advance in that series. They swept Florida. They were down 2 nothing to the Rangers, but ended up winning four straight to win that in six. So just the third must-win game of the postseason for the Lightning this year. And they're going to have to win three in a row now to win the Stanley Cup for a third consecutive year. I'm Steve Versnick filling in for Rick Stroud, who's on vacation, although you're going to hear him here momentarily. Uh, before he left on vacation midweek, we taped a mailbag segment uh, with your questions, so we'll get to that. But I just wanted to do a quick preview on the Stanley Cup Final Game 5 tonight. Uh, John Cooper spoke to the media on Thursday as they traveled to Denver. No update on Eric Chernak, who left the game early in Game 4, did not return, uh, or Anthony Sorelli, who left the game injured. He came back later in the game. Uh, we think it's something arm or wrist, but he came back. He did not take face-offs once he came back, so something is impacting him, but he did uh, finish the game out. So no updates on them, no updates on Braden Point either, although I tend to think he's very doubtful, maybe if you get to game six or seven. Um, Cooper, uh, a few games ago, didn't rule him out for the series, uh, but he's not looking so good at this point. So I would anticipate probably the same lineup unless Eric Chernak can't go. I, I'm assuming Tony Sorelli will be in. Um, he may not take faceoffs again, but I assume he will be in since he played the end of the, the game in game four. So, uh, But Eric Chernak, if they lose him, you've got to presume Cal Foote comes in. Uh, that's losing probably your most physical defenseman and adding in Cal Foote, who has not played in the Stanley Cup final yet. So uh, that looks like the lineup there. Uh, John Cooper, Pat Maroon, and Ryan McDonough all spoke about, you know, it's just going to Denver to win one game. You can't worry about game six and seven. Right now, you've got to worry about one game tonight. And then if you can win game five tonight, then you worry about game six at home on Sunday. And then if you can win game six Sunday, then you worry about game seven, which will be back in Colorado on Tuesday night next week. So Lightning uh, in a tough spot against a very good team, maybe the best team they faced in the last three seasons in the postseason. And they trailed three games to one after losing in overtime. Of course, more on the the overtime goal that won it. It sure looked like there was too many men on the ice. The officials blew it. The NHL put a statement out uh, basically saying the four officials said they didn't see too many men on the ice. It did not say there wasn't too many men on the ice. It, uh, in a sense, almost conf- concurred that there was too many men on the ice, and the officials blew it. Um, John Cooper, a little less emotional on Thursday as he spoke to the media, apologized for his short press conference, which we played for you last night on the show. Uh, Apologized and said, you know, it was emotional five minutes after seeing that uh, they thought they should have still been playing and and that call was missed. Um, Whether something happens in the future for too many men on the ice and how they either can review it or look at it, uh, we'll see. 
Uh, that would come in the off season, of course. So Lightning, uh, no easy task, but they have been. They've had must win game before, as we said. It's their third must win game of this postseason. Uh, after they were down three games to two to Toronto. Uh, they had must-win games last year. They went seven games with the Islanders, of course. So um, they've been in this situation before. Um, and, you know, you, you like to rely on their leadership, their veteran uh, group that has seen a lot. And, you know, the goal is to come out and win one game. You can't win, much like you can't hit a three-run home run with nobody on base in baseball. You can't hit, uh, you can't win three games in hockey without winning the first one. So. Uh, the Rays, meanwhile, we haven't really talked about them this week. Uh, who had Isak Paredes as your home run leader for the Rays on June 23rd? And who had him being the first Ray in history to hit four home runs in four consecutive at-bats? Now, he did have a hit-by-pitch in between, but that's not an at-bat. That's a plate appearance. Isak Paredes, the first Tampa Bay Ray to hit four home runs in four consecutive at-bats. He's also, I believe, the sixth Ray to hit three home runs in a game as he did that on Tuesday night against the Yankees, and then he, he had a home run in his first uh, at-bat on Wednesday against the Yankees as well. So Yankee, or the Rays still continuing to struggle offensively. They lost, what, two or three to the Yankees. Uh, they have the Pirates in town this weekend uh, after they had the day off on Thursday. So you hope uh, that uh, maybe the Pirates and not facing the Yankees can uh, help get those bats alive and, and doing a little better there. So, uh, So this weekend... Game five tonight for the Lightning, and if necessary, game six at Amelie Arena on Sunday night, and the Rays taking on the Pirates this weekend. It's hot outside, and you do not want to suffer this summer with your old AC system. Call the experts at Air Rescue. Air Rescue offers superior service at just unbeatable prices. Now, your air conditioning unit is going to perform 30% better. It's going to last longer with just regular maintenance by Air Rescue. They have an award-winning team, delivers 24 hours a day, in fact, if your air conditioning system goes down, they have emergency service. Not everybody can say that. 24-7. 100% satisfaction guaranteed for residential installation and repairs. They're family-owned. They have over 75 years in the business. Now, these things can get expensive, but guess what? Air Rescue offers 100% financing, very affordable payments, and a very easy application process. You've got no administration or bank fees or any extra costs with all that financing. Call our friends at Air Rescue at 813-612-5600 or go to airrescueflorida.com. For all your air conditioning needs, it's Air Rescue. All right, Steve, we got some mailbag questions uh, that we want to get to on today's podcast, so let's get started. Wait a minute. How are you answering mailbag questions today? You're on vacation. Well, I might be on vacation, but I'm going to go ahead, as they say, live on Memorex and handle the questions just the same. All right, we'll start with the Rays here. And Craig in Vegas had tweeted us. He says, Rays are lacking the bats to compete. Pitching is amazing, and most of the guys on the IL are not closer other than Wander Franco. Is there a financial reason they are not trying to get a bat? No, I don't think there is. I think if they if they wanted one, they could pay for one. I, I and we saw who they went after um, you know, in in the in the preseason or in the off season, if you will. So it doesn't seem like money is the issue. I think timing is. Uh, we talked about how, you know, uh, with the expanded playoffs, more teams have an opportunity to make the postseason and can stay alive longer than they used to. And until or unless you get to that final week and teams can make that calculus, um, they're really not interested in, in being sellers. Um, you know, so, so every team is sort of a buyer right now or looking at their situation and saying, you know, do we, do, if we got another bat, would we have a chance to make it or not? 
and so I just think we're not there yet. I think you got to get closer to um, the trade deadline and and you know and see who's available and what you're giving up. I mean, this is the other thing: is you know, it, is one bat going to make a difference? You asked me this question when we were preparing for this podcast. I'm I'm not sure it will at this point. I mean, I I think first and foremost you're going to have to get some guys healthy, and I don't know who that is. Like, I I don't have much faith that. You know, Mike Zanino is going to come back. I really don't. Um, we haven't seen Brandon Lau at all. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think the best you could hope for right now that you know about is probably Wander Franco. And, you know, beyond that, I mean, you hope now Manuel Margot is down and it looks like he's going to miss some significant time. He was their best hitter uh, in terms of an average, having the best season of anybody in that lineup. Uh, this is not a, a one-bat solve. You know, this is not one where – if we just had one more hitter, um, it, it's a shame because, listen, this pitching staff is as good as the Rays have had for years. I mean, when you look at their top three guys, um, they're all dealing. And, you know, we know Shane McClanahan's going to be an all-star. If he doesn't start the game, he's going to be in it pretty soon. Uh, you know, he's not giving up any runs or a run uh, every time he goes out there. And you look at what this staff has done against a Yankees team that, you know, is off to one of the best starts in baseball history in that lineup with Stanton and Judge and all those guys haven't really been able to get a whole lot of runs off, off any raised pitcher. So it's unfortunate. Um, maybe the defense and the pitching will keep them around for a while, and maybe, you know, they can nudge their way back into the postseason. But for right now, uh, I don't see a, a single bat coming in here changing their fate. And, and before they were to make those deals or a deal – um, it's going to have to get closer to the trade deadline. All right, Paul had tweeted. He says, "Like I em- or I think he emailed you actually." Paul said, mm-hmm. "Like I emailed before the season, you can't let 250 RBIs go. It's really starting to show in close games. We won most of the close games last few years. I think the defense is always under pressure when you can't score runs. Everyone is pressing all the time." Well, they're pressing, but I think they're pressing because they're in roles that they were never intended to be in. I mean, you're playing with guys that weren't supposed to play every day, like Isak Paredes and others, um, maybe to some extent Taylor Walls. And, and, and these guys, you know, simply weren't supposed to be counted in these roles. Uh, yeah, young players will tend to press. I mean, there's no question about that. Uh, specifically, I think, and I've talked to, to him about this, um, going back and forth some uh, with some instant messages. Um, he's specifically talking about Austin Meadows. And, and, you know, there was plenty of scrutiny. I mean, the idea was that Josh, they were trying to clear the deck, if you will, for Josh Lowe, a young player that they had a ton of faith in that made the major league roster, and they got sent down. Uh, he just came back up the other day. Uh, he hit one uh, to the center field wall. Uh, he said, you know, it was one a blessing in disguise that he was sent down. He actually did pretty well down there. He Went to Durham, straightened some things out, uh, hit around 300, I think six or seven home runs. And so he's back up here now, and we'll just have to see sort of how he performs. But, you know, you can't you can't just say, well, Austin Meadows drove in 100-something runs last year. He would do it again this year if he's here. I mean, he's in Detroit, and unfortunately for Austin, he's been hurt. I mean, the guy only has 128 at-bats. He's hitting 250, and he's got 11 RBIs. I don't think those 11 RBIs, if he were to have the same year here, um, is going to make a whole hell of a lot of difference for you. And it's unfortunate he got hurt. Apparently, if you're a Ray, you're hurt no matter where you're playing right now. Um, doesn't matter if you got traded or not. But, um, 
you know, it, it, did it work out? No, because and and you know, part of the it, it, we don't have all the information yet because you got to see what Josh Lowe is going to do in these next hundred games or so. I mean, you know, he he wasn't where they thought he was when he began the season, but if we look up at the end of the year and this guy has twenty twenty five home runs, you'll realize and you know he's a younger player. I mean, Meadows was eventually going to get out of here. It's like better to trade him and get something for him now than wait too long and you can't afford him anyway, or you don't. You want to clear the deck for a younger player. That's really what this was about. It wasn't about Austin as much as it was about Lowe and some others. So I don't blame them for that. I mean, I I think they made the best decision they could make. They don't miss on many of their deals when they do, uh, you know, cut bait. And remember, remember the deal they made for for Austin Meadows. I mean, let's not forget they traded Chris Archer to the Pirates. What for him and uh, Tyler Glass? Now is that right? And Shane Boz. And Shane Boz, for God's sake. I mean, geez. I mean, they won, right? It's scoreboard. Like, it doesn't matter what they do with Austin Meadows anymore or whether they hit or not. Um, so I don't think, like we said, one player would make a difference. I don't think Austin Meadows would have made that big of a difference right now uh, in their lineup. If he was healthy and he could play, that'd be one thing. Um, but he hasn't been, and, you know, it's sort of been the fate of the Rays and, and apparently the X-Rays as well. Well, and don't forget they're missing Joey Wendell, who they traded to Miami. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, missing Nelson Cruz, who signed a free agent deal in Washington. Right. And that's all part of that 250 RBIs that are missing. Sure, sure. And but, it, but you and I were going through, before we started recording, the batting yeah. averages of the Rays players. Oh. And as a team, there's only five teams in baseball with a lower batting average than the Rays. And you can sure. probably guess the teams. I mean, the Orioles, the Tigers, the Pirates, the Diamondbacks, and the Athletics. The Athletics are batting mm. 210, by the way. Woof. Mm. Rays are not two thirty one. Two thirty one. I mean, they're you know, Rays are hot compared to the Athletics. Yeah, but I mean, just going through the average of the and batting averages and everything in baseball, I understand. No, that. not anymore. But it gives no. you an indication. Taylor Walls one forty seven, Zanino one forty eight, Renee Pinto only nine games but one fifty four, Vidal Bruhan one sixty seven, Brett Phillips one seventy two, Josh Lowe only twenty games but one seventy nine. Isak Paredes, 181. That's seven guys in your roster aren't hitting 200. I mean, that's the all-interstate team. You know, you I-85, I-67. I mean, there used to be a player, and you remember, Mario Mendoza, right? Mm-hmm. He played for years and years, and he had a career batting average of right around 200. And so that 200 was called the Mendoza line. You got that many guys batting under the Mendoza line, <laughs> you're in a world of hurt. Whether yeah. batting average is important or not, I mean, you're just not going to get it done with that many guys hitting below 200. And then you got Brendan Lau at 212, Kiermaier 229, Mejia at 241, and Rosarina 249. So another four players that aren't even hitting one of every four times. Now, Rosarina's average has come up a lot. He's right. hitting better than that of late. But their hitting is just. And Bruhan's been hot. I mean, he's actually mm-hmm. come around. He was hit batting worse than that. Yep. No, and it's just it's it's frustrating to watch that pitching do as well as it does. Right. You know, and then you look at home runs, what the Razors only six teams below them in home runs? The White yeah, Sox, the Nationals, the Royals, the Guardians, the A's and the Tigers. Yeah, and they hit a lot of home runs last year or at least, you know, enough to 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 resonate with in the American League. It, yeah. It's but if you're and not getting on base, thing. you better you, when you hit, you, you better be better knock something right. in if there's nobody on base for you. That's right, and I think they got more guys that make contact now, but not good contact, mm-hmm. and so uh, hence the batting average. 
the sad thing is is that the Rays have been in the, they've been here before, right? This is nothing new. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's always been about pitching and defense. It's about run prevention, not accumulation, and all that. Um, but then when they get in the postseason, it really is even more glaring, right? Because now it's not about 162 games or the 45 guys that have come in and out or 60 guys that have come in and out and and, and you know uh, helped you out during the season. Now it's about that lineup. It's about one through eight or one through nine. And, you know, you've got some legit superstar bats on the other side. And those guys produce in the postseason. That's that's where you you make your legacy, right, is, oh. is some of the big bats coming alive. Although, I to be the honest, Rays, they had one guy practically carry them to the, the World Series two years ago. They did. Which is they amazing did. It in was itself. Randy Orozarena who set records. <laughs> yeah. And 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 they they rode them all the way with that in the pitching and um, but then you get into last year's postseason and who are the two guys that were swinging a decent bat Wander Franco who was you know hadn't played a hundred games yet I don't think and Randy Rosarena who you know was technically a rookie and one rookie of the year and those two guys didn't melt you know they 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 performed and 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 did what what your better players are supposed to do in the postseason the problem was they didn't have enough of them they don't have enough of them and even if all those guys we're talking about were back healthy. You know, a year ago, you got a uh, what thirty bombs from Mike Zanino. You got what thirty nine from Brandon Lau. Like Lau was again, you know, uh, was a zero in the postseason in terms of his his at bats. But at the end of the day, like they had they had a lot of production up and down that lineup, and it still didn't show up in the postseason and lost the first you know in the first round to the Red Sox. So. You know, this has always been the problem. Now you, now you just, now it's showing up in the regular season because so many guys are hurt and they can't hit the ball, and, and it's a shame because they really do have extraordinary pitching and at times good defense. And although it hasn't been quite up to snuff, and I mean they've done things trying to force the issue, press the issue. They made more outs on the bases than almost any team in baseball, um, trying to be overly aggressive and move runners and. Um, you know, you know, try to try to press the issue essentially, and it hasn't worked out. So, uh, look, one bat's not going to make a difference. They need more than one. They got to keep developing these guys. Like Low, hope they get um, Brandon Lau back. Hope some of these guys get healthy before the season's over, and maybe it'll make a difference in making the playoffs or not. I'm not sure if they get there, it's going to make a difference at all. Um, but you know, get closer to the trade deadline. Uh, we'll see where they're at, and maybe they make a deal for a bat. But it's it's grim, man. Like, I, I don't. I said to my wife today, "It's like you know, I don't think the Rays are going to make the postseason. Like, this might be one of those years where you just go, you know what? It just couldn't work out. We had too many injuries, uh, great pitching, couldn't score enough runs. The Yankees ran away with it. Um, you know, the Red Sox in Toronto were pretty good too. Uh, you know, three teams made it from the AL East, a couple teams from some other place, and we didn't. We got left out. Might be one of those years. Maybe the streak, the streak ends, but." Um, it's it's dark and gloomy right now. I feel for Kevin Cash because if you're making that lineup every day, there ain't a whole lot you can do. You can put it in a hat and draw it out, and it's not going to look any better. Um, you know, I, it, he's just got to hope that he gets some of his dudes back. And until he does, they're going to have to try to find a way to win games two to one, three to two. I mean, that that's really what you're looking at. All right, Rick in Dunedin, or I'm sorry, no, no, Rick, Jeff in Dunedin had tweeted us says, why don't the Rays get hammered for a failure to develop any hitting in the minors? Besides Evan Longoria, what would it take to get Joey Votto, a lifetime 300 hitter, or a real first baseman? Um, 
why don't they get hammered for not developing players in the minors? Well, hitters, he said, specifically hitters. hitters. Oh, well, yeah. Wander Franco. Yeah, Wander was pretty good. They're hoping Josh Lowe is going to become a really good hitter. Right. I mean, traditionally, they've not mm-hmm. been that organization that's mm-hmm. had a ton of position players come up and wear it out. I mean, that's a fair assessment is that they seem to do better with pitching um, than they have with the bats for whatever reason. I don't know if that's about the draft. I, I really don't know. Um, it, it, it's it's fair to ask why more guys haven't developed. But the guys that, that we mentioned are all pretty good players. I, I really don't have an answer. I, I You know, it's... Yeah, I I wish I could tell you that you know they need better scouts or or you know they they you know don't do a good job coaching, but I don't think that's the case. You know, I I just think they haven't they haven't hit on them. And look, they've traded some prospects away for pitching. You know, I think their sort of their their method is is that you know if you have to go out and start spending twenty five million dollars for starting pitching, you are done. You know that you can find ways to win games with lesser hitters. Uh, as long as you never run out of that pitching and you stay deep in your organization. And I think they've traded away prospects even early, some position players. We just talked about Meadows and others. That um, Well, your first and, baseman, and, uh, Nate Lowe, Josh Lowe's brother. Right, right. You know, he's at Texas now. You traded him. Exactly. I think you got, what, Pete Fairbanks and mm-hmm. maybe another arm back for that, if I recall. Yeah, part of that's philosophical, I think. You know, when you're a small market team and what do you want to spend money on? Do you want to spend money on a, on a bat? Do you Would you rather... Are you better off, you know, getting, you know, replenishing your, your, you know, your minor leagues and your farm system with pitching um, so that you don't have to spend $30 million on a starter because you don't have it? Um, you know, I think that's sort of sort of their philosophy a little bit. Uh, I would say this, like there were – help me out here because I'm drawing a blank. Who's the Yankee first baseman? Just beat him again with the, with another home run Rizzo. tonight. Yeah, I think they, I think they could have – and I don't know that Anthony Rizzo, is, you know, because he finished the season with the Yankees, and I think he was happy there, and he wanted to resign. But if there was one guy that that if I were the Rays that I and I know they had G Man Choi, whatever, uh, who's a, you know fair to middling first baseman, it turns out, and a pretty good bat in their lineup. But I think if there was one guy that for fourteen million dollars a year, I'd on a two year deal, I'd take a swing at it would have been Anthony Rizzo. I mean, I, it turns out. He's been terrific. For Remember, the they tried to get Freddie Freeman at first. They did. They went all. I mean, they went. They shot for the moon. I mean, they went all in for the best player, uh, and they didn't get him. But a nice fallback would have been Rizzo. Rizzo's really helped the Yankees, and he's a good defensive first baseman. On top of that, great clubhouse guy. Um, now he's hit a lot of home runs in the short porch at Yankee Stadium. He's off to a great start, and I and he's the one guy that I look at and I go, "How would he have looked in a Rays uniform? How would that have made them better?" with a left-handed like bat like that in the middle of that lineup. I think it would have been great. All right, Les had emailed us. He says, for the next mailbag, 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, 300 lifetime batting average, 300 wins. A player reaches these milestones, used to have an automatic bid to the Hall of Fame. But with sabermetrics and pitch counts have made that unlikely that players will reach these numbers now. Justin Verlander and Zach Granke are the current wins leaders, but neither have 235, so it's unlikely they'll get to 300. Cano's the closest to 3,000 hits with 2,635, but he's unlikely to reach that number due to his age. So what are the new numbers that would be considered automatic bids to the Hall? 1,000 OPS, 450 on base percentage, 550 slugging, 200 wins. Seems like the changes to the game are going to force voters to value different numbers when it comes to electing players to the Hall of Fame. 
You know, we should ask Mark Topkin this uh, question because he is a Hall of Fame voter. But I think with every sport, and I'll just deal with football since that's sort of the one that I've covered the most. Um, I, I think you do have to modify, you know, sort of, and, and there are no absolutes, right? Like it used to be, hey, if you had 10,000 yards receiving in the NFL, you're a Hall of Famer, period, right? Or you had this many touchdowns. And you look at the game and how it's officiated. You look at um, the swing towards offensive football, um, how you can't hit quarterbacks in a certain area. You can't hit receivers over the middle. There's so much that has changed the game that the offensive numbers have come way up. You know, a guy to, for a guy to throw 5,000 yards, that was the unicorn. Now it can happen um, at least once or twice a year sometimes. Uh, Tom Brady just did it, as a matter of fact. So I think like football, I think baseball will, will get around uh, when those current players that he just mentioned come up for the Hall of Fame. I think you have to look also at, you know, sort of what their contributions were to their teams in terms of winning championships. You know, um, a lot of these guys have moved around with free agency. What kind of a difference did they make on those teams in the postseason? Um, you know, I, I mean, some of the names he mentioned, what was it, Justin Verlander? Was that one of them? Verlander um, and Greinke are the current wins leaders. Yeah, but I mean, to me. Both, you to know, me, 65 wins away from 300. Right. They they may not make it to 300, but to me, they're both Hall of Fame pitchers. And there there's pitchers in, in the Hall of Fame that don't have 300 wins. I know that's sort of the you know, hey, you get past this mark, you're guaranteed to get in. You know, I think in football of a player like Mike Evans, you know, who's who's approaching 10,000 yards. In the past, and I, th- I think Mike is on a Hall of Fame arc, I don't know that he's there yet. Like, I know that room, and I'm like, mm, there's going to be a lot of receivers. You know, you think about the number of receivers just are, you know, in this league right now, and everybody, you know, kind of Mike gets sort of pounded down the ladder a little bit because – He's not a me guy, and he's not out there, you know, chasing mm-hmm. all the yards, demanding the ball, and all that sort of thing. But he's he's approaching ten thousand yards, which in the day would be almost virtually automatic, um, and that, and he's not. So that's that's one where it hurts him. I think he's got something going. It's it's always good when you have something. You're the only one to ever do something. Exactly, his streak is gonna is gonna help him. As mm-hmm. will, by the way, winning a Super Bowl. Absolutely, that you helps know, too. And that and he's made multiple Pro Bowls. The thing about the the NFL Hall of Fame is they they like things like all decade team, you know, and, and it kind of hurt John Lynch for years and years because John Lynch's best years were from ninety five to two thousand and five. Well, so you know, if he had started in nineteen ninety, he'd have been an all decade player, you know. If he had started in two thousand, he'd have been an all decade player. But because his ten years, sort of his best ten, best of his of his ten years is nine Pro Bowls, kind of lapsed in half half decades like that. Um, he never had the all-decade uh, mark, and that hurt him, you know. As did the interceptions. It's like, well, now what about defensive backs that have nine or ten interceptions a year because these teams are throwing seven hundred times a season, you know? And so you have more opportunities to get to get your hands on on the football. Um, so it's all sort of sort of sliding. And and yeah, Mike Mike may eventually get there because uh, of being a Super Bowl champion, the impact he's had, and and, and he's got obviously a piece of history that no one else owns in the NFL, and he's, he has a chance to expand on it. Um, but they're going to have to, you know, change their standards because baseball has changed. And just like football, um, all sports really, it, it's it's no different in any of them. But um, I don't know what those numbers will be. I think it's like anything else. Um, if you have to think about them, my thing is if I say Justin Verlander and you go, oh, yeah, Hall of Famer, 
that to me is a Hall of Famer. If I have to go, well, let me think about it. Max Scherzer, let me let me think. And and I think Max probably eventually will be a Hall of Fame player um, because again, you know, contribution to super to World Series teams and such. But you know, if if you got to think about it, now you got to make an argument, and now you got to look at you know current numbers and rules, and and you know you know now all of a sudden home runs are important and. You know, RBIs are more important. Batting average is not. You know, strikeouts don't matter. Um, you know, pitchers that have a lot of strikeouts, does that mean as much anymore? Because now hitters are going up there trying to swing as hard as they can all three pitches. And so, you know, you can't watch a baseball game where there's not 10 strikeouts on both sides. You know, so what do strikeouts mean now? Like, there's a lot of that going on in all sports. And so I think they'll have to modify it, But but, you know, Baseball Hall of Fame is weird, man. Like they, some years they don't put anybody in. I never understood that. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, Rick had uh, tweeted. He said, I just read that Mike Zadino may have thoracic outlet syndrome. This is the first position player I remember having TOS. The first player I remember having it was Alex Cobb, a pitcher. What is it and why so many? So, Rick, before you get to answering the question, why so many? What thoracic outlet syndrome is, and I'm reading from the Mayo Clinic. Sure. It's a group of disorders that occur when blood vessels or nerves in the space between your collarbone and your first rib, the thoracic outlet, are compressed. Mm. Mm-hmm. This can cause shoulder and neck pain and numbness in your fingers. Mm-hmm. Now, common causes are physical trauma from an accident, repetitive injuries, or job or sports-related activities. Yeah. Certain defects, pregnancy as well. But Right. Well, If, if you remember, I, Stephen Stamkos had this. Yeah. They discovered I a think, blood clot that, that resulted from this. I think that if you, you know, it's, it's, it's at times, it can be doing the same thing over and over again, right? The same motion um mm-hmm. you know compressing certain blood vessels like you said um you know so there is a there's a component to it that that you know has to do with just overuse right um but i i you know like any injury that we learn more about that you 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 start to you know find out more about i mean it it seems like first of all we know more what these people have because there's more information that's shared uh, throughout media, social media, and everything else. So I don't know that you know these things existed before or they have new names for them or what. I just think we're more aware of what every guy has. You know, um, I'm trying to think of what's what's similar in football. I mean, it is a it is a weird one. Um, Liz Frank injury, right? I never mm-hmm. I never knew what a Liz Frank injury until I started covering football. It's pretty common, you know. Um, it's a foot injury, and 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 Levante David is is recovering from it now. But um, I just think there's more information out there. You hear more about stuff and plantar and fasciitis so was that a few years plantar ago. plantar fasciitis was that for me for a while. Yeah, and I remember Warren Sapp had that back in the day. I was trying to explain like what is it? he goes. Well, if you tear it all the way, your plantar fascia. If you just tears apart, it's better than if you you know partially torn it. Like so, 
we've all become sort of armchair, you know, go to WebMD. Like, you ever do that? Like, that's like the worst thing you can do, right? By the way, if like you have a, <laughs> just anything wrong with you. By the you way, go doctor, to doctors hate that. You come in going, I think I've oh got this, God. this, 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 because I looked up this symptom. Right. Three <laughs> symptoms. Like, do you have uh, abdominal discomfort? You know, do you have headaches? Do you have uh, feel dehydrated or thirsty a lot? It's like, yeah, you're dying of cancer. Right? Like, every, every answer is it's, it's a fatal disease. Uh, you should get in and see a doctor immediately. It's like, no, I'm alive. You know, it's like, I don't feel good. That happens from time to time. Um, but yeah, it's sort of like that. Like, let's go to WebMD and find out if, you know, uh, I just think there's more information out there. And so you, you know, you, you sort of hear these key words and, um, and we think, oh my God, it's this, this rash of injuries that are occurring. Um, but the, Ray, the Rays have had several things. pitchers with this. I mean, Brendan McKay, mm-hmm. Ryan Thompson. Uh, Alec uh, Cobb, as you mentioned, yeah, you know? Cody Reed had it in the past. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it seems I mean it, between your collarbone and first rib, it, you know, pitching or someone who uses their arm a lot would seem like that would be more common per se. But I know a person, a friend of mine, that has it, and mm-hmm. they spend a lot of time uh, sitting and 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 uh, using their hands and typing and things, and they're uh, sort of unable to do so, unable to sit for long periods of time which is difficult for their job. Like it can happen to anybody. So yeah, it's a great question. I, I'm not that familiar with the injury. I'm glad you looked up the Mayo Clinic definition. And now I'm pretty sure I have it as you as you described it. I do have shoulder pain. Um, what was the other, I think it's, I think maybe I have, maybe I run my collarbone. Like maybe I should get it checked out. You must be dying from cancer then. I could be, or maybe I just have that syndrome. I got some syndrome. That's for sure. All right, we'll end on these two questions here. Greg had tweeted, Tampa sports fans seem overly sensitive with regards to how the media covers their teams. As a Canadian, I can sympathize with the inf- this inferiority complex. Does this make covering the team harder for you as a reporter? Just curious if other cities are like this. Uh, well, I don't know what you go on with in Canada. Um, so all all com- cities are like this. Yeah, I think there. I think all fan bases are like this. And, and I can only speak to my personal experience. It's still... I think we talked about this before, like in terms of, you know, social media and media in general has evolved and is evolving. Right. And so there's not the traditional media, you know, like back in the day, Steve, I don't know if you knew this, but there were like three networks. It was CBS, NBC and ABC. And maybe you had your UHF channel or something like that. But basically if Walter Cronkite or Tom Brokaw, or whoever it was on the other stations, didn't say it, it didn't happen. <laughs> so now, of course, everybody's got a podcast. Look at us. Uh, everybody has a, a Twitter feed. Everybody has a website. Um, and, you know, traditional media looks a whole lot and can be packaged a whole lot like alternative media or multimedia, or whatever you want to say. And so there's a lot of, of, of fan sites uh, that you know, might actually have the name of the team that that they follow uh, in their title.com. And in reality, they're presenting themselves as mainstream media. They, they, they you know, repeat news. They uh, write commentary. But in fact, they're rooting for the team. They're not traditional media. They're not, um, you know, objective in some ways. Uh, and so you know, their objectivity can be called into question just based on their title alone. Uh, and there's a lot of these. And I think they get 
lumped in in the same platforms that we are on in social media, whether that's, you know, Twitter or Facebook or any of these other places that we post, um, you know, uh, from a digital standpoint. And so people are used to reading, hey, uh, go Bucks!" And then you turn on the radio. What do you hear? Uh, you see the hosts, they're all wearing game jerseys and, and you know, hats and uh, saying go, go Bucks, go Buck, Bolts, go Rays at the end of every show. And then you, you, you once in a while run into someone like me uh, who is an actual journalist, and uh, that's not our training. That's not our jobs. Uh, and people say, why do you root against the local teams? Well, first and foremost, those are the ones I cover. Right, whether we're doing it on this podcast or uh, I'm doing it in the Tampa Bay Times because I've covered the Rays, I've covered the Bucks. I don't cover the Lightning for a strange reason, but uh, usually coincides with the Bucks season. Um, that said, we're not going to put on the pom poms and the jerseys and go and, and root like hell for the team. And so, if you write or say anything that doesn't, you know, fall in line with everybody's fervor and fandom, um, suddenly. You know, it's pushback time. It's like, you know, why aren't you? Why are you against us? Well, no one's against you, but I'm also not for you. Like, I just again, I've explained this ad nauseum. Like, you know, I want to tell good stories, and sometimes the good stories are not about winning. Sometimes it's about overcoming defeat and, you know, having to triumph over tragedy and different things. Like we, you know, it it, it can go the other way, uh, and sometimes the stories are Tom Brady after 20 years comes to Tampa Bay of all places and win a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick in his first season during a pandemic. That's a really good story. Am I rooting for Tom Brady to win? No, but I'm, I'm glad that I get to be here and cover that story, you know? Um, so it's, it's just different, man. And I think that people, you know, there's an old line in, uh, the American president that, that movie with, uh, Michael Douglas, mm-hmm. uh, and he's having an argument with his chief of staff. And, you know, it's uh, Michael J. Fox. And he's saying people are, they're, they're, they're thirsting for leadership. They're, they're, they, they can't get enough of it. They're, they're starving for it. They're thirsting for it. They're so thirsty for leadership that they'll crawl through the desert. And if they don't find it, they'll drink the sand. And Michael Douglas says, they're not crawling through the desert and drink the sand because they're thirsty. They crawl through the desert and drink the sand because they don't know the difference. And that's sort of what we've what we have is that I think sometimes people don't know the difference, right? Um, and so you get that a lot if you're in quote unquote traditional media or journalism, uh, and that's that's sort of where we are, and that's fine. Like I totally get fans, you know. Back in the day when I was a young kid, I was one, you know. I like sports. I like to watch sports. Um, but as you become a professional and you do this for a living and you go to college, you know, for four years and have it beaten out of you, um, that that's not your job. It's not your job. Uh, and so, you know, you learn to put that aside. But um, but I get it. And we're always going to get questions about it. It's a good question. Um, and I do think that certain fan bases, let's say, can be more snowflakey than others. <laughs> um, but in the end, it's really just, if you live in a city and you root for your team, you want that team to win. 
and you don't like anybody that's rooting against them or that you perceive might be writing negative things about them. Uh, and so, you know, they're, they're, if they're not with you, they're against you. And mm-hmm. there's, there's a little a, bit of a, and you know, even when you run radio stations, you kind of think of it this way. It's, it's like your brother, like our teams are family. And not necessarily for you for a journalist, but in, but fan bases. Team's family. I can rip my team, but you can't. I can beat up on my brother, but you can't. I can make fun of my sister, you can't. You know, and that's the way fan bases kind of are. And so, yeah, they get upset when they perceive national media or other cities' media or other fans are dissing them or, make you know, putting them down. It's the same reason why... You know, you watch a TNT or ESPN broadcast of the Lightning, and you think that they're so biased against the Lightning. Well, because they're not eighty-five percent talking about the Lightning like Dave Randorf and Brian Engblom do. They're ta- calling it more down the middle and trying to follow the storylines of the game. Some do it better than others, but it's that you know that. But that's what we've become used to. Is you know the broad you know Dwayne Stats and Brian Anderson are talking mostly about the Rays on the, when you watch a Rays game. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not sitting there talking a lot about the Yankees or the Royals or whoever they're playing. I mean, a little bits as it comes up, but sure. you know, they're focused more on what the Rays are doing, and that's what fans get used to. You know, the NFL is a little different because all the broadcasts are national. Right. They are called more down the middle, so to speak. I mean, they're going to follow the storylines of the game. You know, who's doing well, which players are doing better, which teams are doing better, etc. So, but it's it's we've created a. You know, there's kind of an us against the world mentality for every city almost now. And and social media allows some of those voices against you to be amplified, too. So you hear them more. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it used to be not not, you know, letters to the editor. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe uh, some snarky uh, phone calls to a sports talk station or, you know, but yeah, stuff like that. But I mean, now it's now we're accessible, which I think is a good thing. You know, like I. I interact with people all the time on Twitter. I interact with them uh, on my, with my email. And I think generally when people confront you, if you're able to explain to them why you said what you said or where you're coming from, um, they sort of understand it. But, you know, the immediate reaction is that's my team and, and I'm all for them. Well, I remember I on this think- podcast a few years ago when Tom Jones picked Boston to win a playoff <laughs> series against the Lightning and how people were upset. And he just said i think boston's gonna win it's it was an opinion of i look at the two teams and i think boston will win this series and boy people got upset right right did that on all the time on radio because you know as you know radio because you taught it to us um you give a little piece of yourself every single day Mm -hmm. you know it's like a conversation that you have on on the way to work and and uh uh, the only thing i can kind of liken it to i used to stop on the way to the radio station at this one particular cbs and it was no, I wasn't in the store more than three or four minutes at a time, and I would buy the same thing every morning on the way there, and it just became a ritual. I got to know these people intimately three minutes at a time. Like, after a while, I knew who their, who their family was. I knew when they were going on vacation. I knew who was sick. Like, you know, that's sort of like radio. Like, every day you share yourself, um, and you have that kind of conversation. But, uh, yeah, so it's, you know they can come at you. And when, when Tom was doing, was doing radio, like he'd mentioned that, well, he's from Pittsburgh. He's like, aha. So you're just everything Pittsburgh. You love the penguins. That's your team. You know, like, yeah, when I was six, <laughs> you know, so it's just, uh, once, or they would say, why don't you just move to Boston? You're such a Red Sox fan or you're such a Bruins fan. Like, 
we get it whatever city you know it didn't really matter it was funny but um and i grew up in tampa i haven't lived anywhere else if you can believe that i mean this has been my home except for my trip to college at arkansas state like this is where i've lived i've been all over the world and all over the united states and spent significant time in a lot of places uh, so i think i have kind of a feel for the, the various you know communities and and, and cities and, and states around the country and their fan bases but this is really where I grew up and I, and I, you know, um, I get it. Like I, I lived it. I know what these, these people have been through and, um, I know how fervent they are. I think Tampa is a great sports market. It's a transplanted market for the most part. You still see a ton of New York Yankee and Boston Red Sox. And, you know, a lot of people from the Midwest are fans of various teams and you see it at lightning games and Detroit and all that. We're always going to be like that because there's very few of us that grew up here and lived here. But there's more and more now since the Rays have been here for a while. The the light the bolts are, have been here for a while, and and uh, obviously the Bucks are, you know, approaching what 50 years here in a little while. So, um, you know, you're starting to establish those second and third generations. But I get it, man. And you guys are you guys are fervent fans, which is great. You know, it means you give a damn. But at the end of the day, um, I just think that the the media climate and the access. Uh, and everybody has a voice now, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter, um, you know, in real time. And you have access to to the writers as well, which I think is a good thing. So there's just a lot of dialogue about it. And, you know, I get it. It's still disappointing sometimes to have to explain it over and over again. Um, but it's a great question. And um, I, I just think that you're right, Steve. It's every city that feels that way about their teams. All right, so game five tonight, NHL Stanley Cup final in Colorado. We'll see how the Lightning fare in that. And the Tampa Bay Rays, who they got? They're hosting the Pirates. The Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, who are struggling along themselves. So that'll be interesting to see who can prevail in that uh, uh, ever so exciting series. And you were on vacation, so you won't be back for another, what, week and a half on the podcast. Allegedly allegedly on vacation well until some breaking news with the bucks happens and i have to call you going uh you want to come on and you're like what happened yeah right well we know gronk's like, gonna like sign Bruce Arians gone. Resi- uh, retiring well gronk's gonna do something right while i'm gone right isn't that how it goes you should or that be on the day the day that i get back perhaps either that or when you're in the air or when i'm in the air someplace so it's guaranteed to be something yeah the last time i tried to take three days off then Bruce Arians just quit so i don't i don't know what that was all about <laughs> but um I have to check on Jason Light, make sure he's good. Um, I don't know who else, you know, might be falling out of the sky, but something will happen. So, yeah, I'm going to be – but you're going to hold down the fort with uh, a cast of thousands, and then it'll be your turn to go away, and I'll I'll be with Derek Sharp, hopefully, or somebody like that. So, yeah, we got some – we got to take some time off. You know, that's the thing. I take a lot of vacation because I get a lot of vacation, but we don't take a lot of time from this this format. Even But but do you take a lot of comp time? That's the question. No. No, I don't. <laughs> I really don't. If I did that, I'd be like, I'd, I'd have 10 weeks off, I think. Maybe nine. We'll see. Um, but I don't have that much time. So I'll, when I get back, it'll be, we'll be hitting the ground. It'll be football, 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 football season. Um, you know, that'll be cranking up. And Tom Brady, one more year, right? But Super Bowl or bust, all of that. Um, Todd Bowles, new head coach. You know, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a story. It's going to be good stories. And we'll be here to bring it to you on Sports Day Tampa Bay and the Tampa Bay Times. So uh, I appreciate you guys listening. I will be back uh, in a couple of weeks, if not sooner. Keep on listening to Steve and uh, 
Force Diversity Guy Emmerich Stroud the Tempe Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 